Welcome to Rebel Health Radio, bringing the best in alternative and integrative medicine to your ears. Hi everybody, it's Patricia Warby, Alchemy Therapies and my emotional audit. And today, um, a continuation of my review of this book, Invisible Rainbow, um, which as you can see is well, well thumbed. It's, it's actually a library copy, this is. Um, I'm going to have to buy it now because I'm, I'm about three quarters of the way through. I did review one, which I'll, I'll post the link in the description of my initial impressions sort of up to um, probably about a third of the way through and how he was talking about the history of radio um, and radar and electricity generally, how it's linked to the health of the human and also animals and that the basic premise being that the more we interfere with the natural electrical flow of the the the, the world, um, the more diseases we get because our bodies aren't used to adapting to something that changes over 150 years. You know, evolution works over millennia. Um, and at the point I got to last time, I was saying, you know, this is this is really interesting because he was mapping. Uh, flu outbreaks and other diseases like heart disease and cancer and how it sort of tends to happen in areas that are more electrified so where there are more pylons or there are more um uh, near a, a tv station or radar uh, in the war radar packs that people carried seem to cause more disease and i i was quite blown away by the depth of his research which is quite extensive uh, fully a third I would say maybe a third to a quarter to a third of the book is is references that amount and so you can't you can't say oh he, it's just a, a theory that the guy's dreamt up he's actually gone through uh, the author by the way is Arthur Furstenberg I misnamed him last time as Albert it's Arthur um so you can't say he's he's just come up with a theory and you know he's just a flake you know he's actually done the research and he can kind of support that and having got through the rest of well nearly all of it i'll probably have to do another one because there's so much in here um, it's not it's misnamed to this book it it actually is i mean the invisible rainbow is lovely as a title but a history of electricity in life is way too vague um this is is more than a history. It's about the discovery of the electrical nature of living things. And he's got fully a chapter each on heart disease, cancer, diabetes. And now I'm looking actually at hearing. Uh, the chapter I'm on at the moment is a totally new theory of how we hear as, as human beings. And that the mechanical view, which I learned in school, and I'm sure you did, that we had three little bones in the, the anvil, the stirrup, I can't remember the other one, or the hammer, um, and that, that they transmit these sound waves through the cochlea, which is a sort of spiral organ, very tiny organ, um, somehow promoting sort of a, a sensation of hearing is, is outdated, actually, and it's, it's far more complex than that. And it's actually... Piezoelectric, we think, which means that touch or pressure is converted into sound because it's really interesting that the, the hearing mechanism of, say, a whale is not much bigger 
than a, than a mouse. So there must be a reason for keeping it small. And he reckons because the, the smaller it is, the more it slows down the, the sound waves in order for them to be transmuted. Um, and that there is this jelly-like liquid crystal layer that overlays the hair cells, which line the basilar membrane. It's really, it's complex, this stuff. So, um, but but what I thought was, well, I I know that the skin is piezoelectric. We now know this. I wrote that for my book, The Life Illuminated, and that that's why we think touch is so profound. That's why I think massage is so healing. Um, and there are many other aspects that we are discovering to our senses that are more than just a kind of simple mechanical model like there's aspects to sight that are possibly quantum in nature. There are certainly aspects of hearing. And so I, I am, I'm absolutely fascinated. The, the, the chapter on cancer was particularly pertinent, I think, because I've written extensively on cancer because we still have the genetic theory of cancer, which is prevalent in modern medicine, which just says you have bad genes faulty genes that kind of just fail mechanically you know they break and you're unlucky if that happens but it's all in your genes and there's nothing you can do about it but there is another alternative view of cancer which fits the way it forms and the why it comes back when you've had the tumor removed quite often and that's the metabolic view of cancer that it's a, a metabolic dysfunction just like diabetes just like heart disease that it's about the burning of sugars uh, and, and the malfunction of that. Um, and he sort of develops it a little bit further into this sort of electrical view as well, this um, idea that uh, if, if the metabolic machinery of the cell, which is basically in your mitochondria, which are your little energy factories, and within that there is a, um, a structure called the electron transport chain, which lines... It's a set of proteins that are embedded throughout all the convoluted membranes of the mitochondria. And that's where oxygen is burned, if you like, converted into energy. And, and electrons are passed from one protein to another. That's why it's called the electron transport chain until they get to the final uh, protein, which is called cytochrome C, which is a really important protein because it's kind of it's where all the oxygen is kind of burned. So um, he's, a, he's sort of explaining how excess electrical energy in the environment pollutes or, or slows down this process, stopping the electrons efficiently jumping from one protein to another. And therefore, our whole molecular machinery starts to slow down. Now, this this really interests me because it's the field I work in is, is chronic fatigue related syndromes and why people get sick. Now, my working theory for years has been that emotions and stress are a big part of that because I think emotions are also energy. They, they have a vibration, a resonance and certain emotions like anxiety and fear and um, maybe all the things you're harboring that you're not resolving, guilt. Uh, anger and so on do depress your molecular machinery as well but you can't you can't separate us from our environment and we're in an electrical environment and as i'm sitting here recording this 
I've actually got a telegraph pole just outside my window and they've been installing really high uh, speed Wi-Fi um, in the last six months or so. And I do wonder, I can't see it. That's why it's, his book title is The Invisible Rainbow being the whole spectrum of electromagnetic radiation. But there's there's something from those wires. We can measure it. If I had a device, I could measure it. I can go in my home and I can measure the electrical um, sort of leakage from sockets and generally in, in the wires in my home. And I'm sure there must be something coming from that pole as well. And and I do wonder, I mean, I'm reasonably healthy now, but uh, when I was going through my uh, crisis with chronic fatigue, you know, what were the factors? Is it is it a major factor? And it seems to me, because I know a lot of people who are hugely electrosensitive, and I think I'm moderately electrosensitive. I do get, I can get buzzing that other people can't hear sometimes. And um, that's happened recently, actually, in, in this house. And uh, my partner can't hear it. And I'm saying there's a buzzing and I'm not making it up. And it's not like I haven't got like weird ringing in the ears. I'm actually hearing something because it went off. Uh, so I knew immediately when it had gone. So I think I'm possibly quite electrosensitive, but I know some people who are so electrosensitive, they can't use Wi-Fi. They can't actually engage in life in the way that most people take for granted, you know, using computers all day or on their smartphones or whatever. They have to insulate themselves from what's going on and the kind of bombardment of, of electrical energy. And he has a theory about that as well, which is really fascinating. And, you know, why some people have more of that than others. And I just think we need to take into account now what we cannot see, because I, I used to, I think, operate from the idea that if I couldn't see it, um, it wasn't worth worrying about. I'm sure I used to have that opinion, but having now trained in energy work and, and seeing the power of non-physical uh, interventions, emotional interventions, um, uh, Reiki, for instance, uses energy and you don't even have to touch the person to, to transmit energy. Um, having seen the power of these healing modalities, and it's not all placebo because it works on animals as well, um, I kind of have come around to the idea that we need to take this stuff more seriously and not, not to inculcate fear or, you know, all that doubt around whether we can survive. Cause I, I essentially, I feel very hopeful about, about humanity, but I think we've got to do some more work on, um, making this known and helping people to understand what's going on and helping people to, shield themselves from what's just out there all the time because it's currently increasing at a massive rate and we don't know the effects that's the truth we don't know the effects on uh humans we we certainly don't know it on on the animals we share this planet with we are noticing changes in you know bird migration patterns um bee numbers you know bee decline and so there's there's definitely something that needs to be taken on board and i I, th I think this book is is such an important co contributor to that discussion and you need to take it your time with the book because it's dense it has a lot of detailed information if I were to offer one critique it would be um there's a little bit too much of the detail of all the different researchers we could have left that out um but 
he likes to be thorough, obviously, and that's the way he works. And I think um, the theory of hearing, which I have kind of been aware of because I used to work in a cochlear implant centre when I used to work um, for the university that I used to work for. So I was aware of some of the electrical, electrical nature of hearing because that's what a cochlear implant does. It doesn't replace normal hearing. It creates impulses that are akin to hearing, but they're not the same and allows profoundly deaf people to have some semblance of, uh, I don't even want to call it hearing, but some uh, awareness of sound. So I was aware of some of the theory behind this, but this is really pushing it onto another level. And by the time I finish the book, I'll be able to tell you a little bit more about this. But at, at this stage, I have to say, there are some books that just knock you over um, and just make you reassess things. I mean, uh, Ronald R. Rudin's book, um, The Past is Always Present, that, that knocked me back. I, I started to read that and it made so much sense about trauma and why the neurochemistry of trauma and how memories get laid down implicitly, not just explicitly. And these are the ones that trigger us in life. So that was another really key book for me and similarly very well researched. So I just, I love it when you come across something that's unique and it's original and it's outside the box and it's not just following the, um, the way everyone else is thinking, which is of course why research tends to follow a certain groove because you only get money for what's already accept, accepted. Um, he's clearly outside of that he's a, a journalist I believe uh, which is why the book is so well written but he also has a scientific understanding so it's a key book uh, I'd highly recommend it for anyone but you need to take your time with it because it is it's not you couldn't read it cover to cover in like two days I've had it about two weeks now and I'm still I'm about as I say three quarters of the way through and I'm just like oh I need to reread that bit I need to reread that bit because it's got so much important information for anybody who struggles with any health condition, but particularly the ones that that tend to um, afflict us most, you know, heart disease, cancer, diabetes. These are the biggies really in modern life. And they didn't exist prior to about 1830. I mean, there were some there were some cancers, um, but they were very, very rare. Heart disease was virtually unknown. That's that's unbelievable. But it's it seems to be hardly mentioned in medical textbooks of the time. So just to think it's all dietary, um, well, there's a dietary component for sure, but there's also this other invisible aspect that needs looking into. So thoroughly recommend it. Uh, do go out, borrow, buy, uh, find it. I'll put the link in below and see you maybe for part three when I get to the end. Okay, take care. Bye for now. Hope you enjoyed listening to Rebel Health Radio. Do subscribe and look forward to catching you soon.